A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's great to be here with everyone. Before I welcome my guests for today, I want to remind all our listeners to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of women leaders bringing you news and inspiration from their various industries. And we continue to be grateful for their support and the wisdom that they bring to the show each and every week. As we continue to expand into new markets, we are always looking for additional corporate partners. So if you're interested in being a part of the show, please email Taylor at womentowatch.net. And don't forget as well, you can download the podcast each week and sign up for our newsletter at womentowatch.net as well. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm very honored and excited to welcome to the show Wima Hoover. And Wima is principal owner of Wima Hoover, excuse me, Hoover Advisors. Wima, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. I, you know what? I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you. And, and we've had a couple of conversations prior to the show. And there's so much about you and um, your career that I have such great respect for. And I think it's going to be really inspirational for our listeners. Um, but as always, I want to start with your very beginning and learn a little bit more about the, the young Wima. Um, I understand you were born in the um, beautiful town of Piscataway, New Jersey, um, with some open land. And I wonder if you can just describe the community a little bit uh, for our listeners, what that was like. Uh, yes, absolutely. So I was uh, 
raised in Piscato, which is like central New Jersey, and a highly diverse community. I mean, what struck me as um, very fortunate when I got older is the opportunity I had to talk to, spend time with, build very meaningful relationships with um, individuals and people across all demographics. And that there was just this um, feeling that that's how everything is. That, that you know, we are Piscataway, which is every town. Not until I got into college did I realize just how very special that was and how that shaped and molded me to who I am today. You know, one of the things that you shared with me that I would imagine has been very impactful in your life when we look at um, experiences we've had when we were, we were young was while the di- community was very diverse um, and that very much speaks to the work that you do today. There were also people in your community that you felt did not accept and welcome black people. And my first question for you was, you know, as an African-American, when did you first recognize that? How old were you? Yeah, that was um, something that if you think back, I, I would think I would have been, been more traumatizing. But when you're younger and you just don't know or have a frame of reference of what is not only supposed to be, what is kind, what is uh, correct, what is fair, you just accept it as it is. And though, so that probably happened when I was in the second grade, when I had friends tell me, I would love for you to come over and play with me, but my parents don't like black people. So we'll meet at the park. And there was no judgment. There was no, wow, I'm hurt. It was, okay, that's what it is. And let's go meet at the park. And as I got older, I heard similar things, um, not being invited to maybe a bar mitzvah or, hey, when you're high school, I'm going to pick you up. But, you know, we have to take an alternative route because my parents wouldn't approve. Um, It became more familiar. But what I treasured is that my friends never use their parents' values or their beliefs to shift or change the way they um, interacted or their relationships with me. So they all, almost like kind of viscerally rejected it and say, Hey, this is how my parents feel, but I still want to know you. I still want to be able to have a relationship with you. I still enjoy you. I still want to learn from you. And honestly, those are relationships I still have today. Um, I knew enough to know them because we went to school together. We played together. So in that setting, as children do, they always say that, um, you know, truth comes from the mouth of babes and it's because you are unfiltered and you are purely focused on in the moment. What is that interaction and how do I feel? And I felt safe. I felt there was genuine friendship and I enjoyed the time I spent. So that allowed that acceptance and it allowed me not to um, feel anything personal because I knew this was this the environment they had. And quite frankly, I felt sorry for my friends because I'm like, wow, how, how, you know, really difficult it must be for them to not be able to have, you know, full openness and access to the people around them. You know, that seems very limiting. And I was thinking I would hate that, that I couldn't show up with the friends that I connected with and who made me feel good about myself because of, you know, some arbitrary factor because of race or gender or ethnicity. 
Yeah. You know, we talk so often about the fact that kids have, you know, so much um, more wisdom often than adults. And um, I actually, I'm going to jump ahead. I want to share a quote because I think it, it speaks a little bit to this. You said, I think it's important in life to suspend judgment, which allows your own mental model to be broken and become a more well-rounded, collaborative, and integrative leader. Now, that was pertaining to leadership, but I think it speaks to what children don't have, and then, unfortunately, they develop as they get older, is judgment. Tell me about what, yeah, tell me about that quote and what it means to you. Absolutely, and I wholeheartedly believe that if you're able to go into um, an environment with a true desire to learn, to influence, to have pact, and to impact impact, you will not have judgment. You will be there to receive because one of the best skills you can have is to listen uh, to your people, is to connect with people, is to understand their experiences because that in turn is going to help you grow. It's going to help you be a better leader and it's going to help you set the conditions for everyone to be able to succeed and thrive. I, I agree. Um, one of the uh, experiences you shared with me that I, I thought was interesting was that some of the count when you were in school, there were counselors um, and ad- advisors, I'll say, that that recommended you go to trade or vocational school. And I wanted to know if there was someone at that time there who, in spite of that, encouraged you to aim higher. Yeah, that was interesting because in um, high school, when we were all going to our guidance counselors, thinking about what does college look like in preparatory, and I was high achieving. I was in honors class, um, math, English, um, Western Civ, but it was very interesting. The counselors I had always directed me to the vocational schools, would talk about things like cosmetology, nursing assistant, and I at an early age had to realize that I needed to advocate for myself. You know, I tend to have a a strong personality and be very kind of uh, grounded in who I am. I was that way as a, as a young, young child and young person. Um, But there were people absolutely that encouraged me and probably gave me that wind under my wings to do so. One of them was my um, honors English teacher who just was a, a gem. She not only was my honors English teacher, she was my coach for long distance track. Her name was Mrs. Legenhausen. And it would be wonderful if she hears this. But one <laughs> of the things I loved about her is that she, you know, would say, you know, Wema, you have a gift of, you know, expressing yourself. You're articulate and then your writing is wonderful. Use that. Don't harness yourself. And use that in you have have you communicate about yourself and things you want. Tim, I tended to write more than I kind of spoke. And she, when she saw that, she asked, you know, really for me to challenge myself to give voice in that same way that I wrote. I wrote. And I would say that that was probably the most inspirational and transformational piece of feedback that I had that, quite frankly, I still use and tell myself to this day. <laughs> 
You know, we never forget the name of a teacher that left an imprint on us. Isn't that right? Uh, We're going to go into our first break and stay with us. And I'll be back with Wima Hoover, again, uh, the principal owner of Wima Hoover Advisors. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be right back. Now, the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we spoke to Dr. Rob O'Reilly from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia about the most common conditions he sees as a pediatric ear, nose, and throat doctor. COVID will affect us for some time in ways we'd never expect. For instance, each year there's a cycle from fall through spring. Cold weather brings people inside, closer quarters, daycare, school. We see a rise in flu and other viruses. With masks and social distancing, our usual winter colds didn't happen. Once restrictions were lifted, we've seen RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, rising across the country since May. Most cases are mild, runny nose and cough. However, one in three children with RSV, it enters the bronchioles, smallest tubes in our lungs, more likely to cause pneumonia. Some need hospitalization. Those at greater risk, premature infants, immunocompromised, chronic lung disease, congenital heart disease, children with Down syndrome. Watch for it in daycare centers. Look for a cough with difficulty breathing, lack of appetite, excessive sleeping, or lethargy. Another fairly common problem, finding a baby that's tongue-tied. The frenulum, or tissue that connects the tongue to the base of the mouth, is too long. The tongue doesn't lift well, so baby can't feed properly. A small amount of numbing medicine, tiny incision, very little bleeding. Parents are very relieved to see baby easily latch onto a feeding immediately after the simple office treatment. Otitis media, ear infections, the most common pediatric infection needing antibiotics. The eustachian tube or canal in a child's ear is shorter and more horizontal than in adults, so nasal secretions from a cold collect in the middle ear more easily. The child will rub his ear. You may notice hearing loss. Fever only in two out of three children. Younger children may be fussy, eat poorly, even vomiting and diarrhea. Learn when tubes are needed so the child doesn't suffer long-term hearing loss or problems in speech development. Remember, children exposed to smoking are at greater risk for RSV and ear infections. Hear the entire show on yourradiodoctor.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back. I'm having a conversation today with Wima Hoover. And uh, Wima, just to give you a little bit more background, um, spent most of her career as a leader and advisor globally for Fortune 500 companies such as Google, Pfizer, Sanofi, and Bristol-Myers working in DE&I. And we will get to that. We will talk about that work. Um, But I still want to stay a little bit more on your beginning. And um, one of the other things I think is so interesting is um, you describe your growing up years as having a village of people around you that really looked out for you and took care of you. And that's not always the case for people. So it's interesting to connect the dots between those that grew up that way and those that did not. I wanted to ask you, what do you, when you think about that village, outside of your mom and dad, what are you most grateful for, for having that opportunity? What I'm most grateful for is just recognizing that there were people who had a vested interest in me that were not family, that were people that just really looked at me as a part of the community, as all of the other children in our neighborhood, and said that, we need to come together and making sure that they are directed, they are guided, they are loved upon, 
and they are nurtured in a way that it's going to help them be their best selves and quite frankly, be able to have um, a life that represents values um, that are embraced by the people that are around them. And I think I shared with you, Sue, um, as I got older, I didn't realize that this was not the case for the people around me and my friends. I remember in high school when we were talking about going to a party and one of my friends was saying, I'm going to just sneak out the door and I'll go through my neighbor's yard. And I'm like, what if your neighbors will see you? Like, well, aren't you going to get in trouble? And they're like, why? They're not the boss of me. And I thought to myself, oh, they're not. That was not my neighbors are bossy to me. Oh yeah. Like if any of my neighbors saw, they would come out, make sure that I was put in place, sent home and the like. Um, but what really the benefit was, also, not only the, the discipline, but the love, right? So if my mom was working late and there was a challenging situation and I needed, you know, my brother and I were fighting or we had some type of disagreement, I knew that I can call my neighbor over and say, hey, he's taking the remote. <laughs> but there was always um, a feeling that there was individuals who wanted the best for me individuals that were invested, invested in my future, my success, um, and my happiness, and that this was an expectation for all the children. Mm. And so we had a sense of pride and we also had, um, a sense of obligation because we knew that, you know, the walls were talking, you know, everyone was watching. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so it kept us on our toes as well. Right. Tell me a little bit about your mom and dad and what kind of influence they've had, um, on your career. Yeah, that's it. My, my mom was the only child in the family of seven that actually went to college. She went to Rutgers University. Um, and that was something that was always inbred in her in terms of education. And so my dad actually, ironically, never went to um, university, but finished college and had a commitment and really um, deference towards education. And so we had in our house, um, there was no opportunity to fail, right? Um, so grades, when report cards came, that was a very tense day because <laughs> there were expectations sent. There were discussions during, you know, the marking period around what needed to be done, where we need to get tutoring. Um, and that was a constant. And I think for me, what that shows that you have to put the work in to actually get the results. Um, it was always an end, um, a feeling that if you, there's no success without sacrifice. And so when we did not do well, the sacrifice was that we got our privileges removed, whether mm. it was TV, whether it's not seeing our friends, I felt harsh. It felt so very cruel <laughs> when I was younger, but quite frankly, I didn't realize until I got older that that actually embedded a way of how I live my life is that if I want something, I have to put the time, I have to put the effort and have to work for it. And then I expect to see the results. And I think that that was the most powerful thing. I, I think today, I wouldn't say it's a little bit different, but I feel like as a parent and I am um, a mother as mm -hmm. well to a 13 year old, and I feel right. like I do this as well. You don't have kind of the absolute. There's always, well, maybe it's me you know, that they're not, you know, doing well, or maybe it's something, the environment, the accountability, I don't think was as strong. As I said, I did find it very, I, very, I was very emotionally distraught when those time periods came, but I felt that it really had established that not only hard work, but that commitment 
You commit to something, you will achieve it, and that will be where you get your reward. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, you've definitely have carried that philosophy through life. I, I wrote down another quote that, that you said, life doesn't happen to us, it happens because of us. And knowing this allows us to create the life we want. And I, I love that quote as well, because it talks about the power we have as individuals to create the life we want. Tell me how you, you instill that in your daughter. Absolutely. I think um, we live by that, right? And one of the things is when I moved to Paris for four years and my daughter at the time was, was eight. Now, she was not very old, but I had to sit down and tell her, hey, we're going out of our comfort zone. We're going to be away from our family. We're going to be away from the friends and everything that you're familiar um, is this something that you want to do and how will we do it? And it was really interesting, um, her response. And I think part of it is that she was very much a child that was in fantasy and she had an American girl doll that just happened to, uh, cook macarons and <laughs> had, a, had a French bakery that may, you know, help me out. Um, but her response was like, absolutely. I can't, I can't wait to go and experience. And she kept that when we moved there, it was a kind of anticipation around what to expect. It was a curious curiosity. And I love that. And I think it's because, you know, during, um, our life, I'm, I got divorced, obviously kind of separated, you know, you know, separated households, there was transitions, but during those transitions, you know, I always had the communication with her is that, you know, this is a, just a new norm for us. We will create our joy. We will create our moments. Our family will still be together. It will just be different. Mm. Um, but we create the life, we create the family, we create, um, the love and those moments together. And I think that that's what kept her. And quite frankly, she was really blossomed out there and, you know, came rooted. It was kind of challenging to come, come back, Yeah. but that's one of the ways. And, and I see it in her now, you know, she's, uh, started high school and she already told me, Hey mom, I think I want to go abroad, um, for one of my high school years. And I'm like, <laughs> but then I had to think to myself, I kind of created this, like, yeah. this is what I wanted. And, and this is, you know, coming to fruition. So can I be upset? I had, I choked a little bit, but then I said, okay, you know, you have to let the, the cage bird fly. Um, but I, I was, I was delighted by it. Yeah, I was just I delighted by the fact. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. that she wanted to embrace that again. Yeah, and I think as a parent, what you're instilling is a sense of um, independence and, and curiosity. And I think giving her that example, that experience rather, um, 
probably helped her feel more secure. If, if you know that life happens by your own choices, then you're going to feel a little bit more secure and, and, and look at things as an adventure as opposed to something scary. Um, we're going to go into our next break. And when we come back, I just I had a question for you regarding your opportunity to work um, abroad, uh, work in France. So we will go to that when we come back. I'm joined by Wima Hoover, principal owner of Wima Hoover Advisors. Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be right back. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm speaking with Wima Hoover, and Wima is the principal owner of her own company, Wima Hoover Advisors. Um, you had mentioned France in the previous segment, and you did have an opportunity to go and work there with with Sanofi. I guess you were with yes, at the time, Sanofi. and that yeah, that takes a lot of guts to go to a new country, you know, new language, all of that. Tell me what you learned about yourself during that time there? Yeah, you know, what I learned is that um, my orientation is to really explore all of me, all of the gifts that I have, all of my talents, because even when I was presented the opportunity um, in my head, I was like, of course, I'll go. It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to also being a uh, diversity, equity, inclusion specialist for me to really test my own knowledge and, and really be a case study for the work that I'm doing. And obviously great ex- right. opportunity for my daughter. But what I learned is that you have to really have a desire to um, evolve and um, not only adapt and understand your environment, but to find the beauty and the joy in the small things. Because if you go to someone, and this is not just moving to another country, I think it could be moving to another company, moving to another state, moving to another relationship. If you look everything from the macro view and actually say, oh my goodness, I don't know the language that's going to intimidate me and scare me every day as I walk out of my home and I don't know how to communicate with people or wow, there is some kind of cultural norms that I'm just not getting. There are things that are fundamentally different. I don't, I don't understand and let that paralyze you. You will not um, enjoy, you will absolutely miss those moments of just mm-hmm. joy, beauty um, and experiencing life. And so once I got there and the, probably within the first three to five months, the shock and like, oh, there, you know, Paris is an hour and a half from England, but no one speaks English. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to really <laughs> learn French. And once I got that and I came to acceptance and I put everything, you know, into learning. And of course, my daughter was fluent in six months because she was eight years old. Um, right. You know, right. Um, once I did that, 
it shifted my whole experience. I really just took pleasure in going to the cafe and having a cup of, cup of tea. I enjoy going to the patisserie and getting a warm croissant. I enjoyed actually walking, you know, when I, on my way to work and actually looking at the um, Eiffel Tower. And those moments became more grander, much more meaningful, and it brought me joy. And I think in any situation, you know, especially living abroad, you have to condition yourself to not look at the macro, which may seem impossible, um, fearful, kind of overwhelming, break it down, take one step at a time and making sure you enjoy each moment and you find, find those um, moments of, of bliss amongst that. And once you do yeah. that, I think that it changes your whole mindset and your energy level towards what you're, what you're doing in your environment. Yeah. Um, when I look at your life, Wima, it, it seems to me that you always were interested in people and had a curiosity about people. Your education includes a master's in HR management from the new school, which my daughter uh, worked there for a little while, and a bachelor's in psychology from Rutgers. I always talk about the fact that I think everybody should take a psychology course, no matter their background. But... Um, Tell me what it is about, you know, people that really has had a fascination for you and what you think in the work that you've done is working in in attempts to get people to open their eyes um, about the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion. Yeah. So I, I, if I go back to our conversation earlier in terms of how I was uh, raised and really being raised in a very diverse community, um, I think that that was really pivotal to my career decision um, because I had an affinity to build relationship, get to know, experience different cultures, because that's kind of how I was raised through my friendships and my childhood, um, elementary and, and, and middle school and high school um, classmates. And I think when I got um, into college and my master's program, I really wanted to understand, you know, kind of what shapes people, how can people actually be oriented to really drive and be their best? And what are the obstacles or barriers that prevent them, right? And so let me into psychology and then really as a part of that, really focusing on organizational development because kind of went into more of an OD role early in my career and did that for about five years, which really helped with a psychology background, but actually gave the application to businesses. Kind of how do you let, you know, manage people and actually uh, focus on people and how they have an impact in driving, you know, organizations and systems performance through a systems model, right? People, culture, behaviors, and the like. And through that, um, it really allowed me to, I think, tap into my kind of why, right? My purpose, which is, you know, around the ability to um, have a strong connection, understand and empathy with, with people. And I think also it allowed me to kind of cross, um, cross diverse communities and allow for kind of a platform of communication and um, engagement to really not only drive work, but build sustainable and effective relationships that will build strong teams. And kind of I fell into the diversity, equity, inclusion role because I ended up doing um, kind of OD work um, when I was um, in HR 
and at uh, one of the companies I've worked for, Bistromize Squibb, and ended up working in India for um, a very, you know, probably like a year. And all wow. of the work that I did when we were thinking about kind of building um, an R&D center uh, with these leadership teams of our new site in India focused on global leadership, cultural competencies, and team effectiveness. And that kind of landed me in the diversity, equity, inclusion, because those were the barriers and obstacles that really um, challenged our ability to really drive our performance on that perspective. And I was fascinating with the work. And then when the organization created the role, I you know really looked at that from a macro level from the organization perspective. But I do think my orientation to relationships and really examining how I grew up um, really had an, an impact on how can this be applied and how can I cr- kind of create the magic that I was experiencing and really allow people to have the desire to want to understand, connect, uh, build meaningful relationships outside of their comfort zone, right? Outside of what was familiar yeah. to them. You know, I would imagine that you you seem to be intuitive about um, these topics and what um, people should or need to do to um, really enhance the diversity within their organizations. And I wanted to know what was the most challenging thing when you're presenting your strategies and you're not getting the acceptance? Yeah, what I, that's a great question, um, Sue. What's the most challenging thing when you see there is a, a poll? Right. I ran, I was chief diversity officer, head of culture for Santa Fe, 100,000. We were in 100 countries. And I had teams um, across the organization and actually work with um, their markets, all of the employees there. And I knew that they all craved to actually have a way to connect, to understand, and be able to value the contributions regardless of where you sat in the world that their voice, that their contribution, um, that their way of working was going to be valued, understood, and quite frankly, um, leveraged if given the opportunity and that that would not present an obstacle because we were really one dimensional. And so the, you know, some of the challenges came when not everyone embraced that because it, again, it may not have been something they were familiar with, or they worked in a very, such a very, um, homogeneous, you know, environment that they couldn't even, you know, think about people, employees, styles outside of their own or outside of what they had, they were um, leading in the way they were leading and that their employees said. And so, you know, when doing that, you know, you have to really focus on who are the champions, who are the ones that get it and who will kind of use, you can use to really bring it over the finish line and really have those one or two things that can show the proof points, right? And that it gets to a point where you have so much momentum that, you know, all the others and the naysayers, if you will, um, will have to um, be a part and engage and um, lead because it becomes established practice. And that was really how I really drove the work. And I think um, really led to the sustainability of the work that I did within diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, We're going to go into our last break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the fact that you've recently left Google and, you know, what was kind of missing for you there. Stay with us. I'll be back with Wima Hoover and you'll hear our watch team coming up. Now the women to watch military watch. Hi. 
I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. As we continue to recognize the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I can't help but think about the thousands of Americans who enlisted following the attacks on our nation. More than 180,000 people enlisted in the active duty ranks and over 72,000 joined the enlisted reserves in the 12 months following 9-11. Those who seized to their call to action joined a legacy of Americans who have defended and protected our country across all military branches. But did you know that our branches have been around for a very different lengths of time? While the Navy, Marines, and Army have been around for almost 250 years, the Air Force is relatively young in comparison, with its 74th birthday coming up on Saturday, September 18th. It wasn't until 1907 that our military saw airspace as a battlefield when the U.S. Army created the Aeronautical Division, which started with using balloons before purchasing aircraft from the Wright brothers. Eventually becoming the U.S. Army Air Corps during World War II, the value of air power became so important that in 1947, the U.S. Air Force was officially established as a branch of the U.S. Armed Forces. Today, there are more than a half a million Air Force service members across active duty, reserve, and Air National Guard. I'd like to wish our nation's airmen, veterans, and the entire Air Force community a very happy birthday. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm having a really wonderful conversation with Wima Hoover. And Wima, you, you recently made a decision to leave corporate. Um, your last company was Google. You were head of D&I there. And of course, I want to ask, you know, what prompted that decision? That's a big leap of faith to go off on your own. Tell me about that and, and what your, you know, hope is now that you have all of the freedom to, to do the work you want. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about where I am. I really wanted to be able to have, um, an opportunity to not only be a thought leader, but harness all of my experiences. Sometimes when you are laser focused in these big roles, like time seems to have no, no estimates. It, it just goes. And I had to stop and take a pause, especially moving back from Paris, um, during a pandemic, you know, relocating, having my daughter come in, it was a very challenging time that really made me reflect a lot on kind of what do I want? You know, what are the things that I want to give to the world? What are the things that I feel that within the diversity, equity, inclusion space that I think that needs to be addressed on more of a social, um, organizational dynamic and, um, employee base that not only individuals can take advantage of, leaders can take advantage of. And then I got to the point, I said, you know, I want to be able to harness my voice um, unfiltered. And I also wanted to be able to take um, my insights and share them as they are related to specific situations, which I started writing um, a lot of published articles. Um, I started actually doing commentary and other podcasts talking about particular relevant social issues. And I really felt that 
my voice was needed. Not only one um, coming from an expertise, you know, an, uh, an expert and a thought leader in diversity, equity, inclusion, but having the opportunity to really sit out of the U.S. in a non-U.S. company, um, really working in many of the countries and really closely understanding, you know, not only what their opportunities and how they looked at diversity, but what are some of those innovative, very progressive practices that could be harnessed here? You know, from a legislative perspective in terms of, you know, the gender pay and, you know, ensuring all, you know, women are of equal pay, you know, from, you know, mandating, you know, that, you know, having women at the most senior levels, you know, ensuring that there are people of color in UK with them. I wanted to really bring those insights here unfiltered and give a platform to consult. Um, to do executive coaching, which I'm doing now with leaders of organizations that just want to have some insight and some partnership on how to navigate in this very dynamic, tenuous social climate that we're in. And also um, be able to really serve not only as a thought leader, but provide insights, tools, and uh, practices to organization and do public speaking, which I'm, I'm a part of uh, the Big Speak um, speakers Bureau. So I'm doing all of those things. And, you know, I can say it's been um, overwhelmingly um, amazing because the pool is there, which I wasn't expecting so early. Um, but it just made me excited to, you know, really think about, you know, how I can really give and in a way that is unfiltered and quite frankly, uh, that is needed today. Yeah. And, and really the ability to use your own voice, as you said, I think, yeah. right, when you're working for someone else, you're always being a little bit cautious in, in what you're sharing and what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I, I had another quote I wanted to share because I think this speaks to your success personally and professionally. I just happen to be an eternal optimist. And maybe that's delusional in some people's eyes, <laughs> but it works for me um, as a mutual eternal optimist. Um, I do think that sometimes that gets underestimated and that people can look at those who typically always see the good first as being naive or delusional. Um, tell me your thoughts on that and why you think the opposite is is actually true. I mean, I, that's a great question. And, and that absolutely sounds like me. But I think, you know, if I, if I may make a reference to the work in diversity, equity, inclusion, I feel like if you do not have that attitude, this work can really weigh down on you and quite frankly, you know, may have an impact on your health and well-being just because you always have to filter in what's happening in the world. And a lot of that is not ugly and pretty just because you have to face some internal behaviors and things and people that have different values may and may not be uh, ones that um, support and actually ones that you really stand tall against. But I think what that has allowed me to do is really to embrace all opportunities and embrace change and also to be seen as a partner as realistic, but also offering the, um, the opportunity to, to see the possibilities. I think if we don't believe that we are limitless, that we can evolve, that we can change, that there are opportunities to really address things and 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 drive um, uh, drive drive solutions and drive progress. I don't think that 
as a professional um, and as, even as a as a as a as a advisor, you're not able to have the impact that you have. And I and that's what has been really rooted in who I am as a person and what I bring, um, bring it in my executive coaching, bring it in my diversity, equity, inclusion work. Um, but it is a value that, um, I wake up and I choose happy, right? It's a choice. I wake up and I choose to see whatever's going on outside. I have an opportunity to either, you know, weigh into that or, you know, bring a different energy. And that's what I want, not only want to harness, but I want that to be built in in other people that I am around and uh, work with. Yeah, I think that's an incredible attitude. And I would say also that that's um, a a really great example as a mother. And I'm sure your daughter's picking up on that. Um, We have to uh, end the show. And I thank you so much for joining me, Wima. I hope we will be hearing more from you. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite, Sue. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Stay tuned next week for my conversation with inventor and author Gail Martz. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.